everyone this morning? Convince me. How are you this morning? Okay. I stand convinced. Perfect. So good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful that we get to be in the presence of God. And I, I think, honestly speaking, I don't think it's just the masks. I, I think I don't know half of you. <laughs> There's so many new people at Riverside Lisbon these days. And I'm many times I'm so busy to, together with Gabby trying to figure out what to do with all the babies and everything that is going on that I don't get to speak with all of you. But it's so wonderful to see you here this morning. It's so wonderful that we get to worship Jesus together. And even if we didn't come to the presence of God with a thankful heart, just by being in the presence of each other, singing these things and declaring our love and our commitment to the Lord, it moves our lives. It, it's a wonderful time that we get to spend together. And hopefully if you're staying in Lisbon for a little bit longer, we'll get to develop the friendship and the relationships. And I'm sure that you've met wonderful people here at Riverside Lisbon. So it's wonderful that we get to spend our lives together. And this morning, I want to share something that God put in my heart. So we finished the message, message series, Kingdom Rules. And it was so wonderful to see different areas of how the kingdom of God applies into our daily lives. And I hope and I pray that this message series that we've been at has shaped your understanding of important things about God, about things that God is doing in your life today. And we need to understand that. But lately in our anchored life group, we have been studying about the doctrine of God. It means that we put everything that the Bible tells us about God under the microscope and we try to learn as much as possible about God's greatness, about his awesomeness. And this life group is, is really taking me to my early days at seminary. So when I was 19, I went to uh, seminary to Bible school. And basically what we would do is open our Bibles every single day. So I remember when we, I, I basically I was fresh out of high school and I've studied history, I've studied geography, I've studied all of those different things and each thing had a manual and all of a sudden the only thing that we study is the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And what is interesting that for so many people the Bible is just a book, but when we understand that the Bible is actually the Word of God, we start understanding that there is no end to studying God's Word. It's wisdom, it's power, it goes beyond the paper and ink that it is printed on. These words of the Word of God are capable of shaping our minds, our feelings, our emotions, our understanding of life. And we will never ever stop studying it for the rest of our lives. Our lives are a passionate quest for the knowledge of God. And this passionate quest will last a lifetime. And once we start Tasting the fruit of this knowledge of the word of God in our lives, it becomes so sweet in our mouths. It becomes so sweet in our lives that we don't want anything else. We just want more of it. And I want us to go through one of the topics that we've been speaking recently in our life group. So in advance, sorry to the people of, of my life group because you're going to listen to a few things repeated of what we've been studying these past weeks but God has been really moving my heart and, and making me study a little bit deeper about this topic. And today we're going to talk about eternity. Eternity. And we're going to start by reading a passage in Psalm 93 and the first three verses. And the Word of God says, 
Our Lord, you are king. Majesty and power are your royal robes. You put the world in place and it will never be moved. You have always ruled and you are eternal. And this concept of eternity is in a way so funny because it's beyond what we are capable of imagining. But we can attempt a definition. So the eternity of God refers to his existence backwards throughout time and beyond, further than we can imagine, and forward into the future and as far as we can imagine and even beyond. God has no beginning and God has no end. There never was a time where he was not and there will never be a time wherein he ceases to be. Eternity is one of the most beautiful attributes of the God that I worship. Everywhere you turn in the Bible, you find it. Everywhere you go, you see that God is the eternal God. God is the everlasting God. And in fact, almost every other truth about God in the Bible would collapse without the reality of an everlasting God. Take all the doctrines that you embrace as a Christian. Take everything that you know about God, about how he is loving and kind and merciful and all-powerful. And then tell me in the same breath that you don't believe in eternity. It's impossible. If we say that we don't believe in eternity, it means that we don't actually believe in anything. Because if God is not forever loving, it means that at some point he would stop being a loving God. And that would be terrible for us. If he's not forever powerful, maybe there will be a time where our problems will be so big that God cannot do anything about it. And we wouldn't be able to worship that God. So eternity is woven into every truth that we find about God in Scripture. And while we ourselves are not eternal, we have a beginning. There was a time that we began to exist. But this concept of eternity is deeply rooted inside the human heart. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has planted eternity in the human heart. But we can never completely understand everything he does. Now, this is a wonderful definition of eternity. (laughs) You see, God has placed eternity in our hearts. Even though we're not eternal, God is eternal. He placed that definition. He placed that thought. We are capable of understanding what it means, even though we will never be fully able to understand everything that God does. We will never be able to fully acknowledge everything that God is. Even without this revelation um, of the world, of, of, from the word of God, this concept of eternity is actually part of every culture, part of every religion, that, almost every religion that you can think of. That is why it's even now in the movies uh, um, uh, a film called The Eternals. It's a Marvel movie. How many of you like superhero movies? How many of you went to watch the movie already? Okay, even more people. Okay, you see? concept of superheroes that we cannot trace their beginning and they exist eternally people understand that fact it's part of of a concept that we have internalized we know that eternity exists 
God gave us the ability to think about the origins of this world and of time. And even though it's quite complex, we can think about it. But after a while, we get baffled. We get puzzled. We're perplexed and we need to watch Netflix or something else because we don't want to think about it for too long. It's too much for us. Such a big concept. We cannot fully understand everything that God is and everything that God does. But you know something? That's all right. It's okay that we don't understand everything about our God. That some things about God remain incomprehensible. A God who is small enough to be understood by us isn't big enough to be worshipped. In Psalm 143, we find this expression of praise to God that should move us to praise Him more than we actually do today. And David says here in Psalm 145, You are wonderful, Lord, and you deserve all praise because you are much greater than anything and than anyone can understand. God, you deserve to be praised because you are higher, you're bigger, you're greater than anyone can actually understand. So by definition, God must be infinitely great. God must remain incomprehensible to us. If we were able to fully grasp who God is, if we could have a God that we can fully understand, he ceases to be God. But as we unravel the mysteries of God, as we go into his word and, and we see everything that God reveals of who he is, we find a God that deserves all praise. We find a God that is higher and higher and greater and better. We find a God that is, as David says, is fully worthy of praise. That's why he is the most high. He's the greatest. He's the most wonderful. He's the most magnificent. And that's why we worship him. We love everything that he is. He is the almighty God. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't understand everything about him. We stand in awe about the greatness, about the awesomeness of God. The Bible says in Jude 25, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Here Jude credits glory, majesty, and dominion and authority to God. And listen to this. Before all time and now and forever. God always existed even before there was this concept that we have of time. Psalm 90 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before there was a clock, or a calendar, or a watch, or a date book, there was God. Before there was history, there was God. Before creation, there was God. Before God made the universe, before God created all things, there was no matter. The study of physics tells us that matter and time and space must occur sim simultaneously. 
they must occur together. If there is no matter, there can be no space or time either. That's why before God created the universe, there was no time, at least not in the sense of a succession of moments one after the other. So as the creator of all things, and we know what the Bible says in Genesis 1.1, and who can tell? Let's say it all together. What does it say? In the beginning. In the beginning. What was that beginning? What is the beginning? We don't know. But in the beginning, whatever that is, the beginning of time, the beginning of matter, the beginning of all things, God was there. And he's the creator of all things. And so he's also the creator of time. And that brings us to another mind-blowing fact about God. Are you, are you liking it? Study theology, deep theology this morning with me? It's exciting, right? It makes our brains like, whoa, this coffee better kick in because... It's really hard to follow this morning. If you really desperately need for a coffee, you can rush upstairs. I understand. It's absolutely fine. But another mind-blowing fact about God, God cannot and will never be limited by something that he created. God cannot and will never be limited by something he created. And if, he's crea if he created time, as we know he did, he will never be limited with time. God doesn't exist in this sequence of past, present, and future like us. With, us. with us, events happen on a linear plane, one after the other, and we call it history. The succession of events one after the other. And there are so many events that we cannot keep track of them all. Instagram tries to do that. And Facebook tries to do that. And if you end up looking at the timeline of, of those apps, you end up not living because you're just watching the timeline of other people and you forget to live your own life. It's impossible. So many things happen at the same time and the days turn into months and months into years and years into decades and decades into centuries. It's often said that time is what keeps everything from happening at once and still it feels like everything is happening at once. But God... There is no past, no present and future. He transcends time. He encompasses time. He exists as much in this present moment as he exists in the days of Abraham, as he exists in the moment of the return of Jesus Christ. God is not living in history as we are. God is above history. He is ever present in every moment of history. And you have this graph here that I've, I've made, if Elena can put. God does not exist in this line that we, our history happens. That we go from creation to life of Christ and there we are 2021. Are you happy to be alive in 2021? Do you, do you wish you were living in the times of Christ or the beginning of times in creation. It's really good to live in 2021. Thank God for 2021. But the God that we love and serve, my God, is the God of Abraham. My God is the God of Adam and Eve. My God is the God that is going to be there and already sees things if, God, if Jesus doesn't return before in 2030 and 2040. God is not limited by time as we are. He sees and experiences all events at once. Since he sees eternity in a glance. 
How many of you have seen a parade? A parade on the streets. So you have in Brazil, you have Carnival. In, in Portugal, you have Santos Popular, Santo Antonio. So people do the dances and it's one school after the other. And you stay in your spot and hopefully every single school will come and you'll be able to see everything. That's how history happens with us. God, it's, it's like he's in a drone. And he's seeing everything from above. He doesn't have to wait. He knows. He can see everything. And he experiences all events at once. There are in succession of moments in his own being. And we read in Psalm 90. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night. And in the New Testament, Peter tells us, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. These verses taken together help us to imagine the way in which God sees time. On one hand, God views a thousand years as yesterday. He can remember everything that happened as it was yesterday. That's better than me because I don't remember what I ate yesterday. Our understanding of even yesterday is quite limited, but imagine that a thousand years for God or as yesterday. It doesn't mean that God will forget things after 1,000 years, no. It simply means an expression of a very long time, more than we can imagine. All of past history is viewed by God with great, great viv uh, vividness and clarity. All the time since the creation of the world is as it just happened. And on the other hand, to God, one day is as a thousand years. That is, any one day from God's perspective seems to last like a thousand years, like a day that never ends, but is always being experienced. Any one day seems to God to be present of, on his consciousness forever. So these two statements together show an amazing way of viewing time. The whole span of time is as vivid to God as if it were a brief moment that just happened. And any brief event is as it's going on forever. Okay. This is quite impossible to fully understand. We're still trying to wrap our minds around the fact that right now, God knows intimately every single person in this room. Right now, God knows intimately every single person in this world. And right now, God knows everything that is going on in one minute all around the world. So while we have to wrap our minds in the fact that God knows all things deeply and intimately, we have to wrap our minds that God knows that, but throughout time back and forth, it's too much. It's so funny to think that God is with us as he is with Adam and Eve in the garden. That he's with Moses in the desert, he's with Joseph in prison, that he's with David defeating Goliath, that he sees Jesus at the cross. But you know something? That is why we know that God doesn't change. 
He is the same God, not just because he made a decision that he wasn't going to change, but because he is the same because he lives above time. That's why God told Joshua after Moses passed away in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. And God told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Why did God say that? Because he wanted to do the same things, just because he wanted to feel, okay, the same way that I was with Moses, I was his buddy, I'm going to be your buddy. Not just that. It's the same God that exists in Moses' life. It's the same God that is here with you today. The same God that created the universe from nothing is the same God that is with us today. He's telling Joshua, if I was a mighty God to, to Moses, I'm going to be a mighty God for you. If I was a mighty comforter for Moses, I'm going to be a mighty comforter for you. The same way I took care of Moses, I am going to take care of you. Why? Because I am the same. Because I don't change. We see in the Bible how God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Miriam, and Esther, and Samuel, and Isaiah, and Mary. And he is the same God. Of Reuben and Martha and Mary and Don and each and every one. He is the same God. The same way that they had the relationship with him, we're able to because our God is not a, a very old man with very long beards that he doesn't understand or remember because he lives in the past. He is the same mighty God that we love and that we serve today. And he wants to reveal himself to us in this way because there is nothing that he did in the lives of the people that we read in Scripture that he is not able to do in our lives today. He is the same God. This is the reason God answered this way when Moses asked this question. And let's read in Exodus chapter 3. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, this is Moses saying, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God is simply I am. Not was or will be. But I am. It's a raw, powerfully simplistic, two small words that say more about God than any novel could ever describe. I am says everything about God. The magnitude of the awesomeness of God, He just is. He says, my name is I am. And who is God? And we need to think about that this morning. Who is God? He is our loving and kind and edifying friend and savior and counselor and provider in times of need. He is our divine healer when we're sick. He's our shoulder to cry on. He is a mighty protector that guards us and he keeps us safe. He is the teacher that fills us with knowledge and understanding. And he orders our steps. 
He is the architect of our lives because he makes plans much better than we are able to make plans for us. He anoints us with talents, with abilities, with ease and purpose. God goes to battle with us because he is a mighty warrior. He's our deliverer. He's our dwelling place. He is our joy. He is our towering strength. He is our restored energy when we feel completely depleted. He's our motivator when we feel discouraged. He's the God of miracles that is able to do a lot more than we think we are able to. And the Bible says in Philippians, Then my God and my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And my God, who says, I am, he will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Which means, I am is a reminder that God is not just wonderful and all wonderful, but God is truly everything we need. I am is a reminder to us that God needs to be everything we need. God is everything we need when we are in need. There is nothing that he cannot fully satisfy in us. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what are your needs. I don't know exactly what is going on in your life. If you are in need of comfort because you've lost a family member. I don't know if you're in need of of money because you're unemployed and nothing is working out for you. I don't know if you are in need of a spouse or companionship because you feel lonely all the time. And there's that emptiness inside of you. I don't know what is your need and what defines. But one thing I know. If your God is the great I am. He can fully satisfy everyone of your needs God wants to be the one that fully satisfies every one of your needs you don't have to look elsewhere you don't have to battle to find the meaning and the purpose and the fulfillment that you need regardless of the area of life what God says I am when you are finding and trying to find your way God says I am when you don't see a way out God says I am And I am able to give you a lot more and to provide for you a lot better than what you can ask or think. God is never on vacation. He's never asleep on the job. He is never too busy with more important things. God is never too tired, too angry, too frustrated, or too overwhelmed to be whatever. We need him to be. God says, and he's telling you this morning, I am. Maybe you have met Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But maybe you have never met God as the great I am in your life. The God that is everything you need. That God is, and we dare to say, enough. Can you truly tell whatever need you are facing today? My God is enough for me. 
Can you tell God, are we able to say, God, I don't know how you will do this. I don't know how you, how you are able to take care of this. But I'm asking you to be everything. I ask you to be enough for me. I was speaking with someone this week, and, and we were having a really good, honest conversation, and, and he said, I don't know if God is enough for me. Because we see our needs. And some of you struggle with addictions. And there are cravings, and there are things in your life that pull you to try to figure out things for yourself. And sometimes we get into the deepest holes places where it's only darkness because we're trying to figure out things for ourselves and at the end of the day we are lonely we're living out something that it that was not the purpose that's not what God wants us to live and it all comes back to this do we truly know as God as the great I am do we dare to say this prayer God I don't understand how you are the one that is going to make me feel fully satisfied when I'm single. I don't understand. You're not a person next to me. We're not married. How can you be the one that fully satisfies me if I'm single? God, I don't understand. My fridge is empty. I'm jobless. I don't know what to do. How can you be the one that fully satisfies me? And God's answer is, I am. I am. We may not be able to understand everything that God does, right? That's, that's what the word says. We will never be able. But if God says, I am, I can do it. Let's dare to trust God. Let's dare to say that prayer. God, I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to change me, change my thoughts, change my feelings, provide me a job, do this, do that in my life. How are you going to heal me when everyone says that I'm doomed? But God, you're the great I am. I trust you are the great I am, and I'm in your mighty hands. We live in this time-space-matter dimension. We live in these moments. We progress through them from one state of existence to another. And in some of those moments, we experience pain and distress. And when we're suffering, one day feels like a thousand years. But listen to this prayer that David made at a time of sorrow in his life. In Psalm 31, a beautiful psalm, very beautiful psalm. He says, Lord, have mercy because I'm in misery. How many times that we open our prayers that way? Lord, have mercy. I'm in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying. My whole being is tired from grief. My life is ending in sadness and my years are spent in crying. My troubles are using up my strength and my bones are getting weaker. But Lord, I 
trust you. This is all happening in the now. We're not denying, we're not lunatics. Christians are not people that deny the reality that we live. If we are sick, we are sick. If we are tired, we are tired. We, we, it's not, and some people say, oh, don't confess that, don't say that. But that's what we are living. We're not creating reality as we speak. That's what it is. I'm tired. I slept little. Someone mistreated me. I'm, I'm, I'm angry. That's our reality. Lord, have mercy because I'm in misery. We tell God what is going on. What is this present moment in time that we're living? I'm in misery, but Lord, I trust you. I have said, you are my God. You are my Lord. You are my I am. And David confesses, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. When David was in a hard season in his life, he chose to trust God and he said, my times are in your hands. Because we have to understand that it feels like a thousand years of misery and suffering, but it's just a moment. It's not our lives. It's just a moment. And David said to God, my times are in your hands because while we might not know what the future holds like David, we know who holds our future in his hands. God knows the day when we were born, and God knows the end of our days. God is in control of the times and the seasons in our lives. He knows everything about, about us because he knows everything. And like David, we can trust in the God who is Lord over time and live the day of today in light of eternity. Ephesians chapter 1 and I want to invite the worship team to come. Ephesians chapter 1 starts saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace he, ex he expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to the Ephesians while he was in prison in Rome. We can know by studying his life and, and studying the moments and everything that he was going on that he was, in fact, in prison. Let me go a little behind or front, I don't know, because of the feedback. And while Paul was in prison, he says that God seated us in the past with him in the heavenly realms. I think Paul was a bit confused. I think he was thinking about eternity for a very long time. Paul was not in heaven. He was not seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. He was here on earth in prison 
Paul shouldn't be feeling blessed. He should feel cursed. Because he was in a moment of suffering. But what Paul is saying is, in light of eternity, this is my condition. This is where I want to focus where I am right now. In our limited perception, and if Paul wanted to have that limited perception, he was suffering in prison. He was going through unemployment and loneliness and heartache and illness and confusion and distress and misery and lacking. But in light of eternity, Paul was already seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. In light of eternity, Paul knows that that is the place where he belongs. The Bible says that we are not citizens of this earth, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Our destiny is not to live on earth forever. Our destiny is to join God in eternity for forevermore. It means that God one day will transport us from this matter, space, and time dimension and we're going to join Him for all eternity where there will be no suffering and no pain and no problems and no illnesses and no lacking because God is the great I Am. And we're going to be with Him forever. And Paul knows that is my destiny. And my God lives in eternity. So it leaves me a choice to make today. And it leaves a choice to be made by us today. Do we want to live our lives based on the time that we call now? In this, sometimes it's a trap of time, of matter, of space, our limitations, our conditions. And this is who I am. This is how I feel. This is too much for me. I'm being crushed. Or... Should I spiritually see my life? Is I'm already seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus. This that I'm living doesn't matter. This that I'm living right now, it doesn't matter. And Romans says in Romans chapter 8, what we are suffering now is nothing compared with the future glory. What we are going through now doesn't even compare what is awaiting for us in eternity. So what we have to do is to choose to live like Paul is, yes, life can be quite hard. It feels like you're in a prison. We're in this trap that the enemy is making us feel that there is never going to end. This is who I am. I feel crushed. I feel destroyed. When God is saying, you are already seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. Think about your destiny. Think about where you belong. You don't belong here. We don't belong here. When you feel that there is no way out, you're already with Christ for all eternity. God already sees you in eternity with Him. He already seated you. You belong with Jesus. So don't let the day of today crush you. Don't feel destroyed. Don't feel overwhelmed. Because God is with you. God is with you. If you will stand with me this morning. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what are the circumstances and what 
is making you feel crushed this morning and what are the needs in your heart that you don't know where to find help God is telling you this morning I am the great I am I am who I am and he deserves to be worshiped he deserves to be praised and he deserves that we place our trust in him alone So as you close your eyes this morning, I want to invite you to raise your hands as a symbol, Lord, I am giving this all to you. Think about the needs. Think about your struggles. Think about that, those addictions. Think about the things that are becoming too much for you to carry right now. I want you to raise your hands as in a gesture of faith and saying, God, here it is. I can't do it. I'm tired of trying to figure it out by myself. I cannot solve these things on my own, but I trust that you are the great I am. And if you say that you are able to do immensely, abundantly above all that I can ask or think, if you say that you can fully satisfy all of my needs in Christ Jesus, Lord, I declare I need you in my life. Lord, be the great I am in my life this morning. Lord, I surrender everything I am before you. Lord, I want to declare that I trust you. My times are in your hands. Take me to your dimension, Lord. Help me to see things as you see them. Help me to live my life in light of eternity, Lord. Take me above. Take me above. Take me higher, Lord. Take me higher of this, Lord. I trust you with this, Lord. I surrender my life. I surrender my needs. I surrender to the great I am who lives above time, who is the Lord of time, who is the King of time. Lord, and our times, Lord, are in your hands, Lord. We surrender everything before you. We surrender everything before you, Lord. Free to God this morning, surrender what you have before him. Tell God this morning, God, I cannot do this on my own. Tell God that. Declare that to God. Be, be honest before God. Say, I cannot do this, Lord. I can't. But you can. You are the great I am. You are the great I am, God. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to be in your presence, God. in your presence God Lord as we worship Lord as we continue to worship open our eyes open our minds open our hearts Lord take all the anxiety away take all these burdens that we've been carrying that are not ours to carry Lord take away all these concepts, these ideas, the upbringings, the culture, the things that hinder us from listening to your voice. Lord, if we need to be born again this morning, Lord, we want to be born again. We want to surrender fully to you. As you surrender your life to God this morning, let's keep on worshiping. And let the Holy Spirit of God speak into your heart today. God is with us this morning. God is everywhere at the same time. 
he's with us right here in this auditorium as he, uh, he is in the, the, the floor above us, as he is all around Lisbon, as he is all around the world. But we know that God is with us in a special way. He loves us. He cares for us. So dwell in the presence of God. Dwell in the presence of God and ask his spirit to speak to your spirit, to convince you, to convict you of the things that you need to surrender before you. Let us worship in the presence of God.